You're listening to Heart of the Ark podcast from the Office for Evangelization in the Archdiocese of Newark. We're coming to you to bring knowledge and some courage as we voyage through this life as missionary disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. My name is Jennifer Benke, and I'm co-hosting this podcast with my friend and colleague, Father John Gordon. Hello and welcome to the Heart of the Ark podcast. My name is Jennifer Benke, and I am the Associate Director for the Office for Evangelization at the Archdiocese of Newark. Today, I am going to have a conversation with a Catholic professor, a child psychologist, and author of a book called Know Thyself. Lisa Lawmaster Hess has graciously agreed to be a part of our podcast. And why am I doing a podcast about cleaning your house for the Office for Evangelization? Beginning of the year seems to be a time when people make resolutions, and it we're about three weeks in, and I don't know how your resolutions are going, but mine aren't going all that great. But one thing that, amongst others, that I I tend to take a look at at the beginning of every year and then pull through for the season of Lent is the stuff that I accumulate for a whole year. So... I thought that maybe since this book really helped me organize, I would give a call to a Catholic mom who more than a book about organization. The book actually teaches you how to take a step back and look at the ways that the people who live with you organize in ways that are not your ways. And we know in the Psalms we say, teach me your ways, O Lord. Your ways are not like my ways, but sometimes that can go for your husband or your kids too, right? Teach me your ways because your ways are not my ways. Particularly at different times in my life, this has caused me a lot of strain and stress. And since one of my resolutions is to lower the strain and stress in the house and try to keep a more peaceful house, I thought that maybe this book that has helped me could help you. So we're going to begin with a prayer. This is a prayer I found on stthereze.com the early Christian house blessing prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, send down your mercy and your blessing upon us here and upon this house. May your angel of mercy watch over it and keep all who live here safe from anything that is evil. May he guide us into the fulfillment of your holy will, teaching us to observe what Christ has taught us. O Lord, grant us health and length of days, giving us from your generous hand all that we need to live well and wisely. Save all those who are in want or trouble of any kind. May this house be known as a place of joy and mercy, where the kindness of Christ becomes real for all who live here and who visit. Be merciful to us, Lord, for you are a merciful God who loves mankind, and to you we ascribe glory, to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, now and ever and to the ages of ages. Amen. Hello and welcome to the Heart of the Ark podcast, the podcast from the Office for Evangelization here at the Archdiocese of Newark. My name is Jennifer Benke. I'm the Associate Director for the Office for Evangelization, and I am joined today by Lisa Lawmaster Hess, who is a professor at York College of Pennsylvania, and she's a freelance writer with novels and nonfiction to her name, and she also is a 
frequent contributor to Catholic Mom uh, blog. Uh, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. It worked out that like I had just recommended one of your books to one of my colleagues recently. Um, and, and it's about the second or third time that I've said, you know what, you need to read this book. And I've handed it to other colleagues and they've said, oh, this is great and handed it back. Who is Lisa Lawmaster Hess? Well, I'm a Jersey girl, although I've now lived in Pennsylvania. I say I came to Pennsylvania for college and I just stayed. I've now lived here longer than I ever lived in New Jersey, but you can take the girl out of Jersey, but not the Jersey out of the girl. Um, I began my career as an elementary school counselor and I worked as an elementary school counselor for 27 years. I had an opportunity to retire early and I took it. So after a year of deciding what I wanted to be when I grew up, I got really lucky and this uh, instructor position at a college five minutes from my house turned up. So now I teach psychology and first year seminar classes at York College of Pennsylvania. So I teach two development classes, early childhood development and child and adolescent development and a recurring positive psychology class. And the book actually came out of an office move I had to make when I was working as a school counselor. And I was really grumpy about it. And I was thinking this morning in preparation for this, this was probably the beginning of my thinking about positive psychology too. I was like, all right, you have to do this. There's no choice. You can complain and moan and groan, or you can look at it as an opportunity. And I saw it as an opportunity to organize because the office that I was in, let's just say it was not, it was not pretty. <laughs> the book that we're talking about is Know Thyself, The Imperfectionist Guide to Organizing Your Stuff. I love yeah. it. You said that was the title that the editor chose, but you weren't sure about it. And yeah, I wasn't sure because it was so long. And right before we started recording, we were talking about the idea that if you came to my house, yes, I practice what I preach, but no, my house isn't perfect. So are you going? I, I see it in other of your writings too, like the Catholic mom blog. I was doing a little bit of preparation for our dialogue. And I see that your thing that you wrote about the imperfection, allowing ourselves to be imperfect because God was bro- born into imperfection he was he was born in a stable in an imperfect broken place and that i mean allowing ourselves to be imperfect that's a hard thing yeah it is it is and we're not supported by secular society in that and actually even if we think about church you know god is perfect we are not it's that's just that's just a fact of of our faith. You know, God is perfect. We are not. But yet we keep trying to make ourselves perfect. No, we need to be perfect in his sight. And that means that we are perfect as we are created. And we are responsible for living up to the potential he's given us as much as we can. But we don't have to be. No, we've, we're have we we're broken and, perf- and imperfect. I think that's such a crucial thing that you just just to, to go back to what you just said is that we're not supported in secular society and even sometimes it feels like in church we're supposed to be perfect but we we have to remember that God is perfect we're not perfect and you know having worked in ministry for so many years father john always says that his mom told him that the reason that we know the Catholic Church is the one true church is because it survived so many imperfect people for so long um, that, that, you know, there are times when the people in the church can be imperfect, too. And unfortunately, that's a that's an issue that we have to address as we as we think of the ways we call people to be part of our communities. Are we accompanying them? Well, but at the same time, like this 
imperfection, it's okay. You know, St. Paul says there are uh, many gifts, but the same spirit. We have different things that we bring to this life. And the the church and our, our homes and our families are built up by the differences that we bring in perspective and not necessarily all the same. Not everybody can be a priest. Not everybody can be a, a type A organizer. Not everybody is called to administration or all the gifts that he called, you know, he talks about teaching. I don't know if I'm a good teacher, but I know I tend to be a good friend, you know, so I, I try to have conversations with people who are smarter than me because maybe it's helpful to someone else. And that's how I try to teach in in that way through through conversations. Yeah, and I think I, I think you're coming back to the concept of using using all of the gifts that we have been given. And I think we've all been gifted differently when it comes to organization. And probably there are an endless number of styles, but I can only concentrate on a finite number of them for a book that's going to be useful to people. And the question I often get with these styles is, can you be more than one of them? And yes, you can. But I do tend to suggest that one of them tends to emerge Tri- not triumphant, but as primary over the others. So I definitely, I need to see it. It governs everything. That's above everything else. My, it's above my organization. It's above everything else. But I definitely have a definitely more than a touch of I love stuff. And finding when you look at the different styles, figuring out the one that's primary to you is the one that helps create the roadmap so that you can honor all the rest of them as well. Right. Because you've got to, creating that roadmap is what we're after. We're after something that is sustainable. We can we can all do the one and done organizing. We can all do that. And everybody can do that. If we must do it, we will do it. Right. But is that sustainable? Next week, after you spent all eight hours in your office on Saturday, or after I spent eight hours in my office on Saturday, finding the right place for everything, am I going to remember where I put everything? I can tell you from experience, I will not. Right. I've learned we need to organize in small spurts to get so I can remember where things went. Where was the perfect place that I thought was the perfect place for that last week? And now that seven days have passed and all the things that have gone with them have passed. She really, what was I thinking a week ago at this time? I have no idea. <laughs> So for it to be sustainable, we have to do it in small bites. And that also, the beauty of that is it allows room for change and growth as well. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to me about how this book has gotten you to positive psychology. As somebody who instructs at the college level, and especially in psychology, I'm thinking, okay, is this just like another self-help book? That's not, how can I tie this back to anything that I know? Because the psychology connection I made this morning was that office move. I could either see this as an opportunity or I could see this as, oh, poor pitiful me, I have to change offices and I'm not happy about it. And that a lot, so much of it is about our outlook. What is our approach here? Is our approach a positive approach? A lot of it is how we frame things. Personal strengths is something that's key in positive psychology. Um, University of Pennsylvania psychologists have actually, there's a whole program, positive psychology program at, at U of P. And one of the things that they created, Martin Seligman, who's sort of the father of all of this, created this VIA questionnaire. This is big, long, enormous questionnaire, but that looks at all of our personal strengths and how do we operate from a position of strength as opposed to a deficit approach. So we've spent so much time in our lives being taught to fix our weaknesses. How about if we flip that and we look at our strengths and we say, these are the things, this is the way I think. And these are the things that are good about that. And these are the things, these good things are the things that can guide me to something that is useful and sustainable and helpful. Um, 
so that it comes back to the concept of personal, what are my personal strengths, which then also links to what we previously talked about as being created in the image and likeness of God, but yet still being unique people. How am I unique? How do my unique gifts predispose me to organize? And how do they then enable me to have grace for people who organize differently than I do? Right. You know, and I mean, just in the way that you're speaking about that, to me, it's directly related to our Catholic view of the ways in which we deal with any sort of suffering, right? Like, are we using any sort of suffering as a means for, oh, poor me, and looking inward? Or are we using encountering a suffering, whether it's a, a an office sh- shift or a, a major life issue or an illness or, you know, a death? How could that be a means for which we grow in our faith closer to God? I've, I've encountered issues in my life that, you know, if I, we were just meeting at a, at a party and I just mentioned them, you know, somebody would be like, oh, she's had a lot of troubles in her life. Like she has had a lot of struggles. And yet, because of the way I have always had the gift of faith as like the root of that, I've managed, like, I would look at them and say, no, these are, these are the opportunities like that I've grown closer to God through faith because, you know, I think that growing closer to God is, is uh, that's what we are destined for. Right. So that, that all these ways in which we encounter each other or encounter the struggle of, of, of organizing our stuff or organizing our lives or organizing our families, the ways in which we are acting out these little things in the world or how we act towards God to move closer to him. And you just actually hit on like three really key, important concepts and positives like right there, which is that we have to have both positive and negative emotions. They're part of what make us who we are and what we do, how they feed each other and balance each other leads to a resilience. And so you're saying, I people are looking at you and saying, oh, she's had this, these really difficult things to deal with. And you're saying, no, those are the things that taught me how to bounce back and how to get closer to God and how to strengthen my faith. And the concept of mindset is also key there, growth versus fixed mindset. Do I see these difficult things in my life, whether it is organizing my office, changing offices, or something as strong as a death? How do I bounce back from this in a way that makes me stronger, kinder, better, whatever. I can think of losses in my life that have shaped the way I approach folks who are experiencing similar losses. Mm-hmm. Um, that's understanding, like I was very fortunate to be well into adulthood before I lost a parent, but that having been through that shaped me in irreversible ways, but it also taught me a lot about how to help other people through that type of a thing. Um, and I'm not perfect with that either. There's there's times that we don't know what to say and we say all the wrong things. And um, but but those moments, those those difficult turning points can bring us closer to God. I was a school counselor for 27 years and an opportunity arose for me to take an early retirement, which was not anything I had ever considered doing. And my daughter was finishing middle school. I knew that this would be a huge difference in financially for our family. Um, and it was in, it was one of the times in my life where I felt I was getting 
the clearest communication from God I had ever gotten. Um, often we pray and we think, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't hear, I don't hear your answer. I don't hear your answer. I don't know what you're telling me. I swear everywhere, I, everywhere I turned, I joke that he did everything, but build me the, build me the off ramp that everywhere <laughs> I looked the answer to what I needed to do was abundantly clear. Uh-huh. And it, that was an event in my life that does has, has very little to do with organization, but that strengthened my faith in a way nothing else ever had. I mean, I've, we've all had those moments that strengthen our faith. Yeah. Um, but, and I don't know why I'm telling that story, except that it, it just, when, when you just said what you said, it, it connected back to the ideas of resilience and growth mindset and how do we look at the world? And, you know, I can look at myself and be surrounded, feeling like I'm surrounded by this, or maybe I'm surrounded by somebody else's stuff. Maybe that's the connection here. Um, maybe I am tasked with cleaning out my parents' house um, when they're moving into an assisted living facility. And I'm sitting here going, why me, God? Why are you giving me this job? Where are my siblings? Where's everybody else in the world? What do I do with this? And, you know, this can be a a burden or it can be a gift. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we struggle to organize can be a burden or it can be a gift. We can look at it and say, I can find a way to understand myself and therefore other people better by examining this, or I can just say, I just stink with this and I'm just never going to be good at it. Right. And if you think that, then that's how it is definitely going to be. Yeah. Our mind is powerful, incredibly powerful. That's something as a parent that I keep trying, that building resilience into my kids, like, you know, that is something that I keep striving for. And I think that um, so many people really want for their kids because they don't want them to be um, victims. Yeah. And paralyzed, paralyzed by fear or shame or all the things that um, keep us stuck, you know, um, because that it's a powerlessness that's not you give up your ability to go forward, you know, and it and and that can lead to all sorts of other psychological outcomes that I don't even want to I don't even want to think about as a mom of teenagers. Right. Like, so how do we keep building our kids up for resilience so that they keep wanting to um, and and striving to keep open minds for, for future, you know? Yeah. And recognizing that on a low, on, on low level, emotionally, recognizing that organization looks different for everybody is a way of doing that. Yes. Being able to look at the person next to them and instead of considering that they're a slob, thinking that this is just not, this is, this is overwhelming them right now. Yeah. If I've got the gift of organizing, if I am a type A organizer and I can step in and say, hey, can I help you with that? Or or just at least understanding or I, I tell a story of a very well-meaning paraprofessional who was just helping helping a fourth grade girl clean out her desk one day and just like, can you look at this? Do you see this? Do you? Very well intentioned. She knew as a type A organizer how that desk needed to look. And I could watch this little girl just shrink and shrink and shrink. And I had gone in to teach a different lesson. And I said to the teacher, do you mind if I do a lesson on organization instead? And I saw this girl just kind of willed. By the end of the class, she's bouncing around and going, I'm that style. I'm that style. And and suddenly she knew how to approach her desk. Now, was this a, you know, and they all lived happily ever after? No, I'm sure it isn't. She was 10. I'm sure that three days later, the desk probably had you know devolved again but in that moment i watched her bounce back as a person and say 
I'm not broken. I am not my desk. I am me. I am this other person. I am this thing of, and, and extending it now to us, I'm sure she didn't think through this, but I am this thing of beauty that God created. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a mess. And I purposely never in the book will you see the word messy. I use cluttered quite a lot. I never use the word mess. I never use the word messy because it's lo- it's loaded with judgment. Yeah. Um and right now, I will say that my desk is that M word um, because I was, I'm amid various processes here. It won't stay that way for long because, like you, it's I find it terribly distracting. But mess is a judgmental label, and I wanted to write this book for all the people like me who were in their 40s before they recognized that there's not just one answer that works for everybody. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted kids to hear it early. Right. I wanted them to be like that little 10 year old who was able to separate herself from her desk. I am not my desk. Right. I am a person of value no matter what my desk looks like. Having a kid who's a, a junk drawer kid, um, <laughs> he's, he's always gotten stellar grades, but all of the teacher's comments from elementary school was organization issues. And it's like, he's just not that type of kid. You know, and I recognized when we were putting together how he needs to work in his room, he's got one of those bookshelves that is 16 cubbies, four across and four down. So even if it gets jammed in, okay, can we call this the cubby that is for all of the things of this type? He can access those things, and then it's not just one big bundle but it's individual like I said my daughter is a is a piler so I and then I know that if I walk in the door at the end of a busy day and I know I have to get dinner on the table and we've got 37 other things to do and I got to walk the dog and I have to go back out and teach uh, adult choir at night that I can't leave my backpack at the end of the dining room table because my daughter will also leave her backpack and her trumpet and the music for the, and her sneakers and her uh, combat boots. And like her pile will amass next to mine because she sees my pile and it gives her permission to pile as well. And she's a really big piler. Right. So like I drop it one girl, (laughs) like her mother, like her mother, but she just, she augments my pile and then it becomes so frustrating, right? So then I have to find a way to organize my stuff better and take five minutes so that she then will get her stuff to where it needs to go before she walks on to the next thing too. So, yeah. Yeah. And that concept of homes is so key because if you know, a lot of times we pile because we don't know where it goes. Right. And then we sort through those piles and we still don't know where they go. So we have a slightly smaller pile because we got, we put away or threw away whatever we didn't need, but then we still don't know where it goes. And we're stuck with this pile of things that we're going, what, what do I do with these things? That, that's, that's a clue that we need to organize. We need to change our organization up a little bit in a way that we've got a home for everything. My mother used to say a place for everything and everything in its place. And when we get to that, I guess we'll get to perfect organizing, but I'm not there yet. (laughs) We're always, you know, as Catholics, we're thinking about, you know, how are we building our, the works that we do here on earth are building our reward in heaven. And I'm just like, boy, I hope when I get to heaven, there's not a lot of junk drawers. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to build it now, God. I'm trying to build the clear, 
<laughs> calm. I love what I love the process that you took with your son. You said, yes. okay, so this is how you think. Let's build a system that goes with how you think. It it's not how it, it would drive you crazy to, yeah. to live to live that way. But if you can get him to at least categorize things so that this cubby is this, this cubby is this, he's he's learning a key process. And the thing is behind all of these somewhat negative terms, there is an organizing strength. Uh, For the organizing strength for a cram and jammer is everything has a home. It's unfortunately all the same home. And so everything gets muddled and messed up. So we can learn, okay, so let's expand our concept of homes and we can pull things out a little bit. For the drop and run person, if we can create that bin beside the chair. I mean, I love how you've put this into action. It's beautiful. You're taking a recognition of the styles of people that you love and saying, okay, so functionally, this is not working. So how can I respect the way that you think and respect and therefore respect you as a person and find together, find a solution that makes home life simpler and p- more peaceful for both of us. Right. But you're, you're coming at it from a place of love and respect and understanding. I, I, I think you're yeah, I think you're storing up some lovely works here. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. And um, if I'm doing anything uh, well, it's because I own the smallest house in my town. So it's out <laughs> of necessity. It's 100% out of necessity that four people and a dog have to exist in a very tiny space. So like we wouldn't make it if it was any messier. We just, we wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. But don't sell yourself short because- Lack of space and lack of time are two of the biggest obstacles to organizing. We live in a little two bedroom, three, well, three bedroom Cape Cod. The, the third bedroom's on the first floor. So we've got this tiny little, our, our upstairs is literally, you get to the top of the stairs, it's a little square hallway. My daughter's room is here. Our room's here. There's a world's tiniest bathroom we, here. We have the same house. We have, <laughs> we have the same house. Yep. And there's no room for, I mean, and I keep looking at all the things that needed to be sorted, need to be gone through. And it's overwhelming because, right. you know, we've been in this house for more than 30 years at this point so my daughter every time she comes through comes home now attacks her bedroom from a different angle which is wonderful she's 26 so she's but she's internalized these things and she doesn't organize the same way either one of us does right i declare myself and i need to see it person that's my personal style and with this personal style i have to have if i put it away it doesn't get done so you will find piles in my house if you come to my house some intentional some not so intentional (laughs) And it's a house that is lived in. I I grew up in a house where um, my mom wanted everything to be just so. And I wanted my house, I wanted to look like hers, but I wanted to be able to live here without stressing out all the time. And when I did that office move, I recognized that I was discovering in my 40s something that maybe kids should discover early on. So I started running small groups for children. And that's where the the silly style names come from, is I I was working with kids between the ages of eight and 11. And I would do classroom lessons about organization and I would do small groups. And we came up with who you are and how you organize and how the two things influence each other. And so I have silly names like drop and run. I know I put it somewhere. I need to see it. And those pieces together govern how it is that we organize as individual people, because we were not all created to be the exact same person. We're not carbon copies of one another. We're all unique individuals. And so we we look at the world differently. And so we organize differently. 
Amen. I, you know, so many times we encounter a one-stop shop. This is the way you have to organize your house. I was, I was thinking, um, you know, during the pandemic, there was a very popular, the Maria Kondo thing mm-hmm. came out, right? And that was like a, a popular thing. And I, you know, I started watching a couple of the episodes because it was on and it was the, it was the, it was COVID, right? So it was on and it was like, and I kept thinking, this is not going to work for me. I, and what's wrong with me yeah. was talking to a friend of mine and this colleague, and he, he was, uh, you know, stressed about the, the differences between his organizational style and his wife's organizational style. And I realized that, you know, I went through the same thing that I have a house and I have two kids, I have twins and we share a space and the three of us, even though they're twins, they don't have the same organizational style at all. So as mom, when I look at their rooms and I, it, they make me crazy. Um, <laughs> I have to, approach those spaces with love because it's their space it's their stuff but I also have to give them the tools since they're not quite ready to organize their own stuff I have to give them the tools to help them better organize within their own system of organization and in a way like to me, that's a very Catholic standpoint, right? Because when we think about the Catholic Church, we all have these different ways of being that we're called to because God created us individually and he created us in his divine image, but as different expressions of that divine image. And so the way our perspectives, our organizing styles, our personalities are not supposed to be a one size fits all. We're supposed to be able to flourish. And because of our differences, the body of Christ is brought to fulfillment. It's brought to fullness when everybody's included. So like your book is a very Catholic book in that it's an expression of like, how do I see other people's perspectives. So talk to me about that. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> it's coming out of, you know, a specific moment in time, but like, talk to me about how you got there. Well, and so many good things in what you just said. I love approach it with love, approach their styles with love because it's hard. It's really hard. And I also have to say my book came out around the same time that Marie Kondo was doing all this stuff. Talk about two totally different perspectives. And Marie Kondo, after she had kids, actually went on the record as, yeah, it kind of all went out the window. Okay, so what we're looking for is sustainability. We're looking for a we look we're looking for understanding one another so we can sustain our organization as individuals and as all of the people that are living together under the same roof. Uh, and the same idea is as what you just talked about with the body of Christ that when we go to mass, we all bring our very different styles and things to church, but we also have to coexist. We have to move over in the pews if somebody else is trying to come in and sit down. We have to be patient with the the person, the older person in front of us who is struggling very slowly to get through the line to take communion. And we have to have that same approach with one another when we're talking about organizing. I had to laugh last night. My husband and I were helping my dad take down his Christmas tree. And I just took over with the organizing stuff as I am wont to do. uh, But I'm not a type A organizer, but I can't, I know I'm going to be the one that unpacks that box next year. And I want to be able to find it the way I want to find it to put things on the tree. And he said at one point, 
we're not, neither one of us is wrong. We're just different. I'm like, yes, we've trained you well. <laughs> but when we look at the different styles, it, it pervades the way we do everything. So with the personal styles, there are three personal styles. There's I need to see it, which is what I claim is my own. There's I love stuff. And there is I love to be busy, which I've actually amended as I speak to Catholic mom audiences to I am busy because not all moms love to be busy, but so many of them are. And that and incorporated in some of those things are obstacles to organizing as well. And then when we talk about the organ, if the personal styles are the who, then the organizational styles are the how. But it's not a how to. So I am I declare myself I need to see it drop and run. My primary organizing style is to drop something and run to the next thing. And so piles. I end up with piles. Um, the others are, I know I put it somewhere. My husband, I have labeled, I know I put it somewhere. He wants everything to be nice and neat and tidy. And so he'll just put things wherever there is room. And so when he goes to find them later on, he can't. And therefore, when we're both ta- we're talking about both of us having to access something that's important, we have to find a way to organize it in a way that works for both of us, even though our styles are different. And this happens often with parents and children because we're sharing things is where did you put the and we're looking for it on the way out the door to be someplace when we're already five minutes late. And then those battling styles kind of turn into frustrations and it's difficult for us to be loving toward one another because we're frustrated. Um, so being able to understand that people think differently makes a big difference. And then I, I missed my third style, which is cram and jam. Everything, you can find everything because it's all in one place. It may be rumbled, crumpled, battered, torn, but it, you know where it is because everything goes there. Uh, right. I think junk work. I am a, I am busy for sure. My son is a junk drawer and my daughter is, uh, I'm, I'm sure it's the one where everything has a uh, like a special container. She loves her stuff so much that it it goes in a place of honor, right? But but because of that she ferrets away things in little different <laughs> pockets and then forgets where that special place was that she put it. And you know, I'm I'm too busy for that. I I'm sure it was 2020. I was looking for the alternative to the the one size fits all that did not work for me. Your approach of naming who you are and then recognizing the patterns and the people around you, I found as really helpful to then find the tools to build that communal space better. And it's funny, very often I see more girls in I Love Stuff and more boys in Cram and Jam. And it's not gender specific. I don't want to be stereotypical here, but it's very funny that Cram and Jam, I can remember a young man I had in school years ago, really, really bright kid, but was in uh, the classroom all the time because he was going to special classes for gifted and he was going to bands and he was going to band sectionals and he was going to, and so he was running in and out and his desk was just like, and he was like, I was doing a lesson in the classroom and he's like, I could see his face turning red. And and what I wanted to, why I want kids to take away from this and adults to take away from this is that this is a process yeah. and because individually it's a process and within our world with other people, it's a process and it's not going to be one and done. You're not going to follow up your follow all the steps, step by step. You're going to get to the end and everything is wonderful. Cause I also use the acronym style, which is start with successes, take small steps. Yes. It has a home, uh, let it go and easy upkeep. We're aiming for that easy upkeep, 
but that's going to be up and down too. It, it all comes down to balancing what comes in with what goes out. And so how do we, and when you're talking about children bringing things into the home, plus you're bringing things into the home, it's home. You want it to be home. You want people to be able to live there and you don't want to be fighting over how people organize stuff. Right. And then we add this, the layer of school to this for kids and kids who are required to do a particular organizer, I so often see, particularly with cram and jam kids, a pocket folder that they all get. And the one side says, keep in school. The other says, take home. If it gets in the pocket folder, it's a win. And if it gets in the pocket, but what I see a lot of times with cram and jam kids is they pick it up, they shove it in the folder, they close the folder, they shove it back in their desk. Honestly, for me, with these kiddos, it's a win if they get it in the pocket folder and the pocket folder makes it home. Because from there, where their style is lovingly appreciated, we can walk through the steps with them and say, wait, which side does this belong in and why? And taking five minutes to do this, because if we take more than that, we lose them. But the idea is to get kids to be able to think through how they think, because that enables them to choose the tools that work for them when given the opportunity. Sometimes they don't. Um, I have been out of school for, shall we just say decades and leave it at that. Uh, (laughs) I still haven't, I still struggle with binders. If it's not already pre-punched, it may never make it into the binder. And I'm a fairly organized person at this point. Um, Not perfectly, but reasonably. I I am a functionally organized person. I can generally find what I need when I need it Um, because I've just looked at the and, and I hear you saying, I, I, what I hear from so many people is, I'm, I thought I was a failure. I thought there was something wrong with me. No, it's the wrong tool. It's right. not a tool that fits who you are. It's not a tool that fits your style. Binders are not inherently bad. Pocket folders are not inherently bad, but they don't work for everybody. Right. And so when they don't work, what so many of us do, and often from a very young age, is we decide that there's something wrong with us. If, I, if everybody else is getting it right and my teacher is always yelling at me because I'm getting it wrong, what's wrong with me? I must be the problem. No, right. you are not the problem. You are created to be who you are supposed to be and who you are supposed to be may just not be in love with pocket folders. Um, and I think a really important thing, and I'm sorry, I'm rambling in paragraphs here, is is that it doesn't, this is not something that has to be expensive either, because it's very easy to go, okay, um, file folders at the dollar store that I haven't seen any place else. They're now a dollar and a quarter, a dollar tree. But it's easy as a parent to go, well, I don't want to spend a whole bunch of money. No, don't. Yep. They're children right. and they're growing and they're developing. And someday it may click in a different way and they're going to need different tools. Right. So using what we can find on the cheap is really important. Listeners from the podcast will know that I just recently got married, <laughs> remarried. Congratulations. But I just Thank you. Um, but again, that is that is, uh, you know, now there's there's someone in the house. Right. And there's there's more stuff. Right. There's and I it's my it's my space with the kids. And we had like making space for another person to move in and recognize that, you know, his organizational style. And, you know, so like making those spaces and finding the ways in which that are is going to be a complementary organizational style for new people as you said like when we walk into a church we're in a community we have to find the ways in which we can coexist and it might not be the way we would you know maybe we're not thrilled when a little kid makes a lot of noise at church right but Nothing in us should be throwing dirty looks to those parents. Like the little kid is there expressing themselves and learning how to behave in a church. Like, so their, 
they have space there. They That is where they belong. They're right there doing what they need to do where they're belonging. I'm a singer. I'm not thrilled necessarily all the time when I go for a high note and a little kid shouts out, right? Like, cause I want people to enjoy my lovely voice, <laughs> but you know what, but maybe the kid is expressing joy before hearing something that's that, you know, or maybe they're expressing like, ow, that's too loud. Why is she doing that? And that's okay too. Like that's, that's how they're expressing themselves. And I, the reason I've recommended your book so often is because it reminds us of all of the ways, even in like just even in the category of organizing our stuff, how we need to love each other better and love ourselves better and forgive ourselves and, and just say, this is who I am, you know, and God created me this way. And this is my this is how I, I function. And so then I have to also love that imperfect part of myself in other people. I have to love their imperfection too. Um, yeah. And, and the first one of those is an implicit theme in the book. And the second was it, one is an explicit theme in the book. In the introduction, I talk about the idea that so many of us think that we are broken because mm-hmm. we can't organize, whether we're broken vessels, because we can't do this the way we don't do it. I, I don't have any filing cabinets. My husband likes file cabinets. I don't have file cabinets. I have an I need to see it style. If whether I put it in the file cabinet drawer or the trash can doesn't matter. Either way, I can't see it. And if I can't see it, it, I know it doesn't actually cease to exist. I understand the laws of, of science, but it ceases to exist for me. I don't remember to do it. I can forget to pay a bill because I put it in a drawer. So making sure that I'm, I'm using those, those styles so that I function best in the world is going to be really important. And so that I can be the best person that I've been created to be. I think too, with that coexisting Fortunately and unfortunately, there's a finite number of tools that are available out there. But a lot of times there's crossovers with style. So for people who have a somebody, you've got somebody with a cram and jam style, somebody with an I know I put it somewhere style and somebody with an I need to see it style. If you have a clear organizer with a label on it, that works for all three of those styles. I know I put it somewhere. It's clear. I can peek in and see uh, for I need to see it. It's labeled. I know it's in this one. And I love stuff. As you see, you, I think you had shared with your daughter. She's putting stuff in various little pockets and things. And everything has all of these little things that she prizes have a special space. Right. Um, and I think looking for the tool that works for everybody and having the conversation around and we can't do it every single time life is busy but for an area in our house that's it's just driving us crazy that everyone uses and no one maintains or each person maintains according to an individual style that differs from somebody else's having a discussion around all right this drives me crazy because and here's what i need what do you need how do you need to do this and of course you've got to get your kids at the right time because you don't get them at the right time to get i don't care mom and then yes. it all it all blows up again later yeah. um but I look at all those beautiful household binders. Oh, my gosh. It gives me a headache just to look at them. And that's just because it's not my style. They are beautiful household binders. And they work for a lot, a lot of people. I'm just not one of them. Right. Because as soon as I put it in that binder, okay, I know where it is. But having to search for it. So it's and getting our kids to think about this is really important because it's a life skill. And we can get to adulthood and feel like there's something wrong with us or be poorly judged by an employer or another human being based on how we present in terms of organization. So getting our kids to think about this is what works for me and this is why. I want this backpack because it's got a clear bin here that I could put all of my treasures in and then I see where all of them are. 
you know, of course, if that backpack is twice the cost of the other one, that's something we've got to consider too. Right. I mean, we want to, we want to avoid, we want to, we want to coexist and avoid, avoid conflict and love one another as much as we possibly can. But we also need to set boundaries as, you know, for ourselves and for others so that we can lovingly coexist. Yeah. In the book, you talk about giving yourself permission to, to be a little bit crazy about, like, I can't rest in a room that has piles, no matter how organized they are or what someone else thinks that they're doing. Like to me, it's a pile of junk. I need kind of a clear space to work and to rest also. So one of the people who I live in my house with is, is starting a, uh, a new course for the, for the spring semester. And there are more books that are going to be around. And this person is a piler. And so in anticipation of that, but they're also a, um, they need to see it and it goes in a pile, but they, so I found a thing that goes next to where they do their reading that sits on the floor. That is the one place where the books that they're going to be reading are going to be stored so that they're not on the only end table or the only coffee table or the yep. only work surface in the kitchen, or, you know, like they're not in the, in the working spaces or the relaxing spaces. And I anticipated that and said, this is where your books are going to go. <laughs> you know, I know you're doing this. Uh, this is the thing that I have for you. And like you said, it was something that was in the basement that we weren't using anyway. The idea that you encapsulated there is you make it as easy to put it away as it is to put it down. Right. Because our human nature, especially if we have drop and run style is to just put it away. Those open bins, the, um, the little like bin cubbies almost that they are that you can put different bins in and they have a handle. You can pull it out and put stuff in. It's away. It's hidden. You can label it if you're, I need to see it. So you remember that it's there, but yeah, all of the books then go into the bin um, and I'm, I'm laughing because that's me preparing for a semester is I have stuff everywhere. And I finally, in our sunroom, I have a little file bin, everything that I'm working, all the papers that I'm working on are in the file bin. And it's finding that work-life balance piece too, because um, it's important to rest. Yes. And we, when it, biblically, it's important to rest and on the seventh day. Um, and so it's important that we don't blur that, that we try hard not to blur that work life balance if possible. And so I'm respecting my need to not have to do this while my semester hasn't started yet. Eventually I'm going to have to, but in the meantime, it's a pile. Yes. And life makes it very complicated to do all of these things. Giving, giving, uh, my, my girlfriend uh, says giving grace to each other in terms of like the really understanding that like, I don't organize in piles, but you do. And I'm, I'm loving you in this that is is you. And it's definitely not me, but, you know, like. I think we've actually hit it a number of times today. And the key piece being that you aren't broken. One right. size does not fit all. You are not broken. You are coming at this from a unique personal angle, both in terms of who you are and how you naturally, what I call the default styles, how you naturally organize. You are not broken. If the organizing isn't working, chances are the tool is the wrong tool for you and you need to find a tool that goes with the way you think the idea of building on our strengths that instead of looking at the way we organize as a weakness to look at it as this is the way i think and if this is the way i think how do i turn that into a strength 
that fuels my organizing in a way that works for me. It's not going to work for everybody else, but it works for me. I think that's wonderful. And I'm going to do one additional plug in, in addition to inviting everybody to pick up your book, Know Thyself, The Imperfectionist Guide to Organizing Your Stuff by Lisa Lawmaster Hess. I also want everyone who's listening to think about their prayer life in the same way. There's not one one size fit all way to pray to God. If what you've been trying hasn't been working, if you're not a Bible person or you're not a rosary person or not a try something else. And if you are out of ideas on your own, um, remember that School for Prayer in this year of prayer that's just been opened up by Pope Francis, that the School of Prayer is next month will go into praying with different spiritualities. So the way and, and talking about what might work if you're stuck in a rut in one and you want to try another one? Like, let's go, let's go look at Ignatian spirituality for the, for the beginner. So finding your way to express yourself in this world and loving your neighbor is what we're all about here at the heart of the ark. So thank you again, Lisa Law, Mr. Hess. Thank you for being here. Thank you for saying yes. Oh, thank you for asking. This was so much fun. I, I love this. I love had loved this conversation. It was just a lot of fun. So like I said, this conversation is a uh, outgrowth of my own stirrings of my heart. Uh, last year at this time, we uh, interviewed uh, Father Paul Hulis and talked about theology of the body as we both began a fitness regime. This year, another thing that people do at this time of year or make resolutions is to clean their house or to do some work on the house. It's kind of a the right time to do some nesting in a way because it's warm and cozy inside and you want to take a look at what you've got and what you haven't touched in a year and pass it on to others in your circle. Following up on that, my last episode was with Cheryl Riley of Mercy House and Mercy House is always looking for donations. So if you have diapers, if you have books, if you have a quantity of things, but also if you have really nice clothes that don't fit anymore, especially maternity clothes or anything um, that's still under warranty, you know what I mean, if you've got baby stuff, but the stuff that still remains under warranty, whether it's a car seat, a crib, a pack and play, a stroller, all of those things, Mercy House can always use those things. And there's information on our archdiocesan website, arcan.org, as to where you can make donations and how. And another thing is that we have all around the Archdiocese of Newark, you've seen the uh, bins that are for Catholic charities, and all of those items also get looked at and if they can't in any way be used they're at least used for the benefit of catholic charities so you know what people put in bins is uh not always the nicest of things so first of all please if you wouldn't put it on your own kid and keep it in your own closet like please consider whether or not it's just trash and don't put trash in any of the bins because it's just someone on the other side who's already working really hard to serve people now has to go through stuff that's not usable but if it's usable stuff please 
put it in those bins. And if it can be given directly to a person who can use it, that's great. And if it can't, then by the, the way, I don't know how Catholic Charities does what they do, but they take little bits and they multiply it and somehow it becomes uh, the way that they operate. So just always uh, feel, you know, feel that moving in your heart to the stirring in your heart to donate. If there's other things that you don't know how to get rid of, I just had uh, someone gifted my son a wonderful assortment of suits and ties, and my son is uh, a very unique body shape, and so some of these didn't quite fit right, and we're not sure if they'll ever fit just because he's so tall, and they tend to be, they were regular, mostly regular jackets. And so if they were short, I wanted, but they were right from the dry cleaners, they were just from the dry cleaners bag, and I called a friend who happens to work at one of our local universities, and they have a interviewing class. So for young men who are trying to go out or young men and women who are going out for their first interviews and don't have a suit or are going to get their first job and can't don't have the means to buy the clothes until they get the first couple paychecks, check out your uh, the career center at your local universities if you have really good um, work clothes, right? Um, sometimes because of age or uh, changing in careers, we age out of or we have all these wonderful things that God has given us the means to buy. And if they can go to someone else who really needs them to make their lives better, like, let's think about the ways we can do this. So I just want to preface all of this as as we go through this for new year, let's think about the ways we can uh, build up community in in our church and in our in our neighborhoods and with one another and really think about the ways we can uh, share the gifts that we have been given and get rid of the stuff that distracts us or keeps us from connecting with God and with one another. Heart of the Ark podcast is an initiative by the Office for Evangelization at the Archdiocese of Newark. If you want to find us online, you can find us at rcan.org slash evangelization. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Very soon we'll be updating our social media for the Heart of the Ark, but you can find us on Fireside Podcasts at Heart of the Ark. Dot fireside dot fm. Our theme song is composed by and orchestrated by Eric Hunter, a dear friend of mine. You can find out more about Eric and his performances and compositions at Eric E R I C Hunter H U N T E R Music dot com. This has been a pleasure, and I look forward to hearing from you and speaking with you in the future. <laughs>